0: Welcome to Let's Face the Facts. I'm David Almeida, and I'm your host for this rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and every week I bring you some of the greatest talent in the Central Florida arts community. Join us as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show, episode by episode. Hey guys, welcome back to another show. It's a super special extra edition. If you're joining me for the first time, welcome. My name is David, and typically this is a Facts of Life rewatch podcast. But this week I have a super awesome extra episode where I interview the woman who was the costumer for the Facts of Life for the final three seasons of its run. Her name is Diana Eden. And she has just written a memoir that she is promoting right now. It's called Stars in Their Underwear, My Unpredictable Journey from Broadway Dancer to Costume Designer for Some of Hollywood's Biggest Stars. And her marketing team found the podcast and found me and contacted me and asked if I would like to have her on the show. I said, yes, please. So then I asked Matthew Arder if he would join me and sort of be my co-host for this particular interview, figuring he would be great for some moral support. And then we got the copy of her book to read and prepare for the interview. We had no idea. Her career is so amazing, crazy. And we legitimately loved this book and cannot recommend it highly enough. So... I'm not going to talk anymore. I'm going to let you meet this super incredible, talented lady. Let's face the facts with Diana Eden. Diana Eden, welcome to our show and thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
0: We both, Matthew and I, devoured your book, because we both are big into celebrity biographies, autobiographies, memoirs, and we love old uh, stories from Hollywood of yesteryear.
2: Oh, that's
1: great. I'm thrilled that you you enjoyed the book.
3: <laughs> yes. Like I, when he told me this was happening, he, uh, he said the costume designer from Facts of Life. So I did my research on you. And then when I read the book, you have no idea how many boxes it ticked off for me. I literally, David can vouch for this, read it in a day. <laughs> oh, <that's beautiful. laughs> I, I could yeah. not put your book down. I could not <laughs> put it down.
0: Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. And the book, of course, that we're talking about is Stars in Their Underwear.
3: What a great title. (laughs) How did you, can I just ask the first question? How did you come up with that title?
1: Well, it came about um, when at an earlier time I was thinking of writing a book um, about how to be a costume designer. Um, And some uh, publishers said well that's a very niche market you know only a few people are going to be interested and maybe costume students you know they don't want to not that many people are interested in the history of costume and i said i'm not teaching history of costume i'm teaching you how to deal with stars in their underwear and the moment i said it it clicked
0: ah beautiful (laughs) that is terrific well The book is, one of the things that jumped out at me about the book is that uh, it is written completely in the present tense. And I'm wondering if that was a a conscious choice you made from the beginning, or did that happen along the way?
1: It happened along the way. um, As I worked with various writing mentors, they talked about the passive voice.
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: how it's important to bring the readers in and make the reader feel that they're right next to you witnessing everything. Mm
2: -hmm. So
1: that was one reason. It was a technical reason. But the other part of it is I have always journaled and kept diaries, and I was able to go back for much of the book and read about how I felt about things in the voice of the age that I was at the time. So, you know, in the early years, My Fair Lady, I had diaries of every week what was going on in the voice of a 21-year-old. Ugh. And, you know, the Broadway years, the same thing. Mm-hmm. So that's really why I did it that way.
3: Yes. So my question on that is, could you please publish your entire diary for me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you would find it very interesting, is especially- <laughs> it? You wouldn't, no, no, I promise you. There's a lot of whining about boys that didn't like me or, you know, why this, you
3: know. (laughs) That is exactly what I loved about your book. And you have no idea how much I related to things you said. And I'm sure David will want to talk about it. We talked about how you wrote it in the first person. I just want to say thank you for your honesty in it. Mm. And your struggles with your mental health throughout the throughout your life. And yeah. I, I, I cried in the day yeah. that I read your book. I mm. laughed with you in the day that I read your book. And I, I just, it's so important for struggling actors, struggling people in the business yeah. to hear that they are not alone in feeling yeah. defeated every once in a while.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, life is not a straight line and, uh, um, <laughs> it's not all fun and games. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And that's it. So many memoirs are, well, then I went from this Oscar nominated film to working with this famous director. And if you look at the timeline, there's three years in between where they didn't work. Right. And you are like Matthew said, you are so honest about talking about, and Matthew and I are both primarily actors in the Mm -hmm. uh, theme park and entertainment industries down here. Uh We could relate to the, the feast or famine nature of our business where you're yes. either going a thousand miles an hour or you are at a dead stop and don't know who you are.
2: Exactly.
1: Exactly. A lot of people in the business have said they've identified that portion where I talk about who am I if I'm not in the show. Mm. Um, and that, you know, their life is kind of divided up into the chapters. What show was I with when that happened? You know? Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely, the same thing. Yes. Right. And
3: along also there. I loved, I, again, I connected again when you said of the show business family, I have my, my fair lady family, you yes. have your, um, fade out, fade in family. And yeah. once that's gone, suddenly you find yourself without a family. And yeah. it's so true.
1: Yes. Well, the facts of life family was one of the strongest oh. because they were together and me for the last three years. They were together from for eight years. Mm-hmm. And of course, the girls started out as, you know, preteens and, and ended up as young ladies, young women. Um, but we were together, you know, nine months out of the year. Mm-hmm. Um because that's back when they were doing 21, 22 episodes a year, Um, every week. And, you know, the ups and downs and the boyfriends who came and went and the birthday parties. And um, so uh, as a group, believe it or not, we are still very much in touch um, not like, oh, let's have lunch, you know, Kim Fields. But um <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh we have had reunions of um of the crew of the various support people. Um and uh, the last one we had um uh, Mackenzie was there. None of the girls were available, but um Mackenzie came and um a lot of the you know other people who worked on the show, but for eight years they were all together every week. So, very tight knit family.
3: Mm-hmm. We follow them on social media and it's so yeah. fun to watch them. Still, they are still very much a family. They oh, yeah. comment yes. on each other's stuff. They, yes. s- yeah, that's beautiful.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mindy really interviewed uh, Kim, I think, on Instagram not that long ago.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's very active and does a lot of live videos. Yeah. At random. Gotcha. She's she's just brought in fans before, just been like, hey, how you doing? And the fan is like, ah, I'm talking to you. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's and she's
1: been very supportive of my book, which I appreciate so oh, much. Oh,
0: that's great. Yeah. Well, um, I'm glad you brought up the facts of life because in our preparations uh, for this interview, Matthew and I realized that we have about 80% questions about the rest of your career (laughs) we're like we need to remember that the people listening to the podcast are theoretically facts of life fans as opposed to the two of us who are dying over your entire career
3: Uh, so
0: um if you'll allow us just time to sort of quickly go through your pathway to what brought you to the facts of life um tell us the story about when you first knew as a child that you wanted to be a dancer
1: ah uh, well um i was taken as most little girls are to to dance class but what really set me on the path was um uh, going to london to see the saddler's wells company um now the royal ballet but it was the saddler's wells and going to see les Silphides. and you know having those curtains open and seeing this magical magical place and the dancers and the costumes and the lighting it just seemed so unreal and so unique and special and you know from that moment there was absolutely no question that i was going to be a dancer for the rest of my life
0: (laughs) and then as a girl your family moved from england to canada right and then that was where you started performing professionally in ballet and then later on broadway
1: yes yes um at age 15 i was invited to join the national ballet company and uh, went to Washington, D.C. for a very special engagement and uh, got to dance in Swan Lake. And, um, but what happened is uh, by the time I was 16, I'd grown two additional inches. I was now five foot eight, oh. which means that on point, I was nearly six feet. Oh. And I was literally too tall, too tall for the corps de ballet, too tall for any poor male to have to partner me and lift me. Um, and so, you know, it was a devastating thing at the time. Um, at 16, to suddenly find your life's dreams have been dashed on the floor. But, for
3: nothing, For nothing that you had control over. Exactly. Oh, exactly. God love you. Yeah.
0: So you said, uh, I'm going into the theater and be an actress where no one's going to judge me on my appearance. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but when I went to Broadway, Broadway my height actually worked in my favor, especially mm-hmm. for the roles that I was getting. So, um, you know, I was able to to be a Broadway dancer, which, you know, I'm very proud. Um, and uh, I felt very, very happy. Um doing that. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience.
0: And talk about the shows that you did on Broadway.
1: Uh, well, my first show was one that I doubt anyone has ever heard of. Uh, it was supposed to be a huge hit, but it didn't go that way. <laughs> yeah.
0: Matthew and I are raising our hands because yep. we're like, we know.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, it was called Spot with Judy Holliday. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time, she was a very, very uh, popular uh, comedian and had won um, Oscar awards and all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the show was just a disaster from the the beginning. Um, But I would count the whole process um, in the book because it was so fascinating to go out of town and see a show struggling um and all of the intrigue and the, the people that were brought in to fix it and then they disappeared the next day and at one point bob fossey was spotted and we were told he was going to come on board but then his wife when Verdon, <laughs> was giving birth to their daughter i mean it was an incredible saga and when we eventually <clears throat> got back to new york we were in previews for Weeks and weeks, which meant we rehearsed all day and then performed at night.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so once the show opened, it actually only ran for 43 performances. Which um, is
3: actually longer than a lot of flops run. I mean, you know. you know, it's not it's not mentioned in books like Not Since Carrie, that yeah. it didn't open <laughs> one night and close the next. But no. I loved that part of your book because so many people write about their their bombs or whatever you want to call it and they say we closed out of town period next topic yeah. Yeah. i appreciated your honesty and again could read your diary uh, read your diary about what what it's like did you know you were in a bad show well yeah for lack of a better term i don't <laughs> yeah. need to call it a bad show you know what we I mean, knew but. we
1: were in trouble because the reviews out of town were just horrendous and you know and they kept trying everything and putting in new numbers and then taking them out and then putting the second act first. And I mean, it was just, yeah. And, and we were getting the, the the gossip from our friends back in New York that they all said, Oh, we hear you're closing. And yeah, (laughs) but I, for me, I hope that the book finds a Broadway audience. In other words, um, those who are really interested in some of the history of Broadway, because the sixties were an amazing decade. And I think that there are some things in my book, stories that really have not been told before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, I, I, I really hope that Broadway lovers find me, find the book. Because you know, it was important to me to tell these stories.
3: Yes, and and your comment you're talking about and your your comments on Zero Mostel. I think it's important for them to hear a female voice from the '60s, like you said. Z's in a mood tonight, you know.
2: Yes, (laughs) (laughs) you're clear of Z. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, and actually, that was. Very prevalent. I mean, the, <laughs> when I hear women today say, "Well, why did you stay in that job?" and I think the idea of me going to Hal Prince and saying, "Wow, wow, wow," you know, Z, <laughs> you know, kiss me—I mean, it just was so out of the question, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But it was very prevalent.
0: Yes. And the show to which you're referring is a little show called "A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum," yes, which must have been nice to follow up after the hotspot experience. Yeah. you stepped yeah. into this show that had already been up and running and already been successful yeah. as the understudy for which role again?
1: Um all of the dancers except for gymnasia.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so um, yeah, I, I had to learn all of that Jack Cole choreography.. <laughs> uh-huh. Which, in some instances, was very, very tricky. I went on for two weeks as Panacea, which I absolutely adored. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went on once for Tintinabula, um, which was very... Re- very stressful because I am not a petite Asian <laughs> <laughs> in any respects. <laughs> um, and the only part I didn't get to do, which I really want to was uh, Vibrata.
0: Uh, oh. I
1: loved her number. Yes. The music was so jazzy and wonderful.
0: Oh yes. Yeah. And then your next Broadway show was Fade Out, Fade In, the vehicle created for Carol Burnett. This is before her big variety show.
2: Yes.
1: Yes. And
0: this was another show that had some troubles.
1: Well, and it, it was just timing. Mm -hmm. Um, It really was going to be the big, big uh, female starring show that would be, you know, the talk of the town. There weren't Mm -hmm. any other big female starring shows on at the time. Um, and uh, great expectations, Uh, but Carol became pregnant with her first baby, Mm -hmm. and so told the producers that they would have to postpone for six months, and uh, which they did, but they lost a lot of money in that time. By the time the show was mounted, now had competition from Hello Dolly, (laughs) and from Funny Girl with Barbara Streisand um blithe spirit i mean all of a sudden where there had been no um big female starring shows that were now yeah any of them
0: and and as far as you know if you want to go the next step the other male shows that were competing with it this is also when golden boy with sammy yep. davis jr was running and fiddler on the roof another little show yeah
1: <laughs> i know i mean it was amazing
0: But what a time to be in New York city and to be a young dancer and the stories you tell about living that life. It is just, it is just glorious. It's beautiful to read.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, the bowling league was, was quite an affair if you can imagine (laughs) Sammy Davis bowling against B Lily, you know,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, just amazing. That's awesome. so, continuing on, you had dancing, and then you did uh, move on into acting. You actually were offered Hello, Dolly.
2: Yes.
1: To come yes. into
0: that company, and you yep. had already made up your mind then that you wanted to transition into acting.
1: Yes. Yeah, and it was a difficult decision because, you know, on one hand, people were saying, well, <laughs> you can still audition for acting roles, but in the meantime, you'll be in a Broadway show and earning a paycheck. But I kind of felt that sometimes you have to take a stand Mm
2: -hmm. and say,
1: no, I'm ready for the next step. And uh, so I took that stand. And uh, luckily, I was uh, cast in the uh, National Company of the Odd Couple. Mm -hmm. Gwendolyn Pigeon.
0: Yes. (laughs) So
1: uh, I was on tour with that, with Dick Benjamin as Felix and Dan Mm -hmm. Daly as Oscar.
0: Um,
1: Peter Boyle was uh, Murray the Cop.
3: Oh, for crying out loud.
0: Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Can
3: I ask Can I ask you, and I'm sorry to jump in, but as no. I sit here in front of um, eight posters for Hello, Dolly, yes. um, I was just wondering what time period what was, what star was in it at that time? Um, it
1: was the fall of 65, and I think Carol Channing was still yep. in it. Yep,
3: mm-hmm. yep. Oh, wow. you know, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ginger Rogers took over for her in sixty oh, yeah. six when Carol yeah, took yeah. out the
1: door. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah.
0: Matthew knows his hello dolly. Yeah,
1: you <laughs> do. And and actually David Hartman. Do you remember David Hartman?
0: Oh yeah. Good morning America, David Hartman. Exactly. Yes. David
1: was um a singer in the show and uh uh assistant company manager or something. And he wow. was a group of friends from My Fair Lady days. So he was the one who actually called me and said, you know, there's a vacancy and I think you should be in the show. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And instead you went out with The Odd Couple and then you talked about how, uh, as you were studying to be an actress, that you really learned your craft, as so many of us do, just by doing it. And you say you spent three years on the road. Yeah. And with what were the other two shows?
1: Um, Half a Sixpence, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: uh, which actually was a musical, but um, I didn't have to sing, which was wonderful. I played Helen Walsingham, uh, (laughs) which was uh, a a leading part, but without a song. Um, Thank goodness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then also The Killing of Sister George with Claire Trevor.
0: Man, yeah. yeah. Those are yeah. that's those are some good classrooms to yes. find yourself in.
1: Yes, yes. So a, I tell yeah, you, I unless you're in a musical with a lot of fun dancers and singers, being on the road is lonely. Oh. With a yeah. straight play. Um especially Killing Your Sister George, it was a four character play. And you spend a lot of time by yourself in your hotel room. You mm. know. So um that's just a little bit of the downside. No, <laughs> yes, you're right. You're right.
0: I yeah. had it in my notes where you wrote down, when you were touring with yeah. My Fair Lady, you listed, uh, let me see, 52 members of the cast and crew, yeah. 23 dogs, yes, three yes. cats, and a bird
2: yes.
1: to yes. put
0: on My Fair Lady.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: Our our train calls were quite hilarious, as you can imagine. And whenever the trains stopped long enough to give, you know, thirty minutes, everybody was hopping out with their dogs. To uh <laughs> <pull> the relief.
0: <laughs> uh amazing. Yeah. So then um, you've been on tour, you did move to L.A. as far as thinking you might make some sort of a break in film or television. Yeah. And uh, then let's uh, talk about where did performing in front of the camera move into costuming and behind the camera?
1: Um, Well, I love performing in front of the camera, uh, but... The thing is, um, when you're a performer in theater, you perform six nights a week uh, if you get cast. Mm. If you get cast in a a TV show or even a film, you're lucky if you work more than three days. Mm. Because to film, you know, three or four scenes, um, they don't need you for that long. And Mm -hmm. so I was getting a day here, a day there. And in between, I was cocktail waitressing. (laughs) <laughs> so many actors do in oh, LA. yes. <laughs> you know why they call them waiters <laughs> <They're> <laughs> waiting for the big break.
3: <laughs> People don't uh, realize in Hollywood that it is a lot of s- hurry up and wait. Oh, uh, like yes, you, yes. You're on a set and just waiting for them to get a light right or something uh, for you. Yeah, but yeah. my favorite thing that you wrote about your time there is, um I told David this. Um, okay. You wrote. L.A. in the 70s was L.A. in the 70s. (laughs) And you didn't have to say anything else. You know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, yes.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was a wonderful time in some ways, and it was a depressing time for me professionally. And, you know, at the time, there was so much going on with the women's movement. I mean, it really was starting to explode. Um, and in fact, if you've watched Mrs. America, I mean, that's all going on in, in the early mid Mm seventies. Um, but there weren't that many roles for women, absolutely nothing like it is now. Um, and you know, there would be, um, (laughs) 30 parts for men and maybe one part with one line for a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, Uh, If you weren't the wife or the love interest, you might get a part as a a secretary uh, that had one line. Yeah. So it was really difficult. And I was lucky enough to meet someone at a party who was looking for um, a wardrobe person to handle all of the dancers for Anne Margaret's big nightclub act.
2: Mm -hmm. And,
1: you know, initially I said, well, I really don't know much about costumes other than wearing them. And he said, oh, but you know all about dancers. And uh, so I thought, well, yes, I do. I know what they need. I know their shoes have to, you know, be rubbered and fit properly. And they'd like to rehearse in them. And I know their costumes need to stretch. And, you know, and I just love being around dancers. So it was a no-brainer for me. And before I knew it, I was deep into uh, the costuming world. And through when Margaret met Bob Mackey, uh-huh. <laughs> that kind of started the whole new chapter of
3: my life.
0: Yeah. And watch two actors on your Zoom screen lose their minds.
3: <laughs> well, As- you are, when David told me we were going to do this, you are our Bob Mackey. Like, oh, <laughs> but- <laughs> like <yeah. laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 oh, <bless> you. <laughs> did yes. you enjoy
1: the chapter of my first day at bob mackie's
3: yes oh. i was trying to it was you write you wrote so clearly it truly <laughs> and that first person it you just i felt like i was right next to you uh, yeah it it was and just what was the
0: faux pas you made you did you grab the wrong scissors that no no you you brought oh
3: well the- no, that
1: was the first thing i did within yeah. like you know, the first 20 minutes of my makeup <laughs> workroom, I grabbed the scissors off um, uh, one of the, the star cutter fitters. <laughs>
0: you just grabbed a pair of scissors and they're like, yeah, ah! <laughs> I mean,
1: Who knew? But I mean, those scissors were like, you know, a surgeon's <laughs> instrument or um,
2: some
1: various. <laughs> the and then
0: you took the the hats the wrong type of hat to the wrong hat person.
1: Yes, to the 20-year-old milliner. Meanwhile, the 86-year-old milliner upstairs would have had a fit. Mm-hmm. So we had to undo all the work and, you know, try and hide the fact that I'd taken him down to the 20-year-old.
0: <laughs> because you said the 86-year-old would have given Bob Mackie what oh, for, and he okay. feared her.
1: Oh, well, they had shouting they had matches, believe it or not. Oh,
0: my God amazing yeah. yes yeah. so those days at the at working under bob Mackey and yeah. and his people at his costume shop and you talk about the fact that you you worked kind of in the front office so you watch the parade of celebrities coming in in their jeans and t-shirts to yeah. be fit for these grand amazing jeweled costumes
1: absolutely my first stars in their underwear you know well maybe not the first but you know. <laughs> <laughs> seeing them uh you know without all the pretense without sometimes the hair and makeup done and
2: mm-hmm.
1: um i tell the story about chair coming in um you know and just jeans and not a bit of makeup on needing mm-hmm. to talk to one of the designers and he said chair i'm busy i i you know i've got to." spray these shoes green for the show and if you want to talk to me you're going to have to come out and and help me spray shoes so she did Uh, sitting there the two of them (laughs) on the driveway spraying shoes and talking i mean just uh, love it
0: now throughout the book there is the the drive and the work ethic that you seem to consistently have throughout all of your careers yeah and to see that you were you worked as a costume as a wardrobe assistant as a you know as a shopper and doing sort of the grunt work and in order to actually start acquiring designer credits and cred yeah. that you actually went to the local theaters and did a lot of stuff yeah. they're free or for cheap
1: exactly free or for cheap yeah absolutely um, I, I couldn't see any other way to get my name out there as a designer Mm -hmm. Um, and you know once i started doing these small equity waiver productions and getting good reviews i would then take out ads in hollywood reporter because i wanted my name to start being seen as costume designer
2: Mm -hmm. and uh
1: you know eventually it worked and i uh, was referred uh, to the producer of the Facts of Life by the head of wardrobe at NBC. Um, And he had seen me work and liked my work ethic. and um, So I went to meet with Rita Dillon, and um, we sat and talked up in her office. And I remember being struck by Rita's... uh, She didn't ask me about... Costume design and what have I done? And, you know, what is my training? She talked about the girls and wow. I could tell that she loved those girls so much.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: that came through so strongly. And she wanted someone who could work with the girls and with Charlotte um, and, you know, fit into the family.
0: As it were, it's like she was hiring a, a nanny almost. Versus,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, a psychologist, True. designer, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now
0: Matthew said something very funny when we were first approached about the having the chance to talk with you.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, I said, Matthew, we have it. We have the chance to talk to the costumer for the facts of life. Yeah. And Matthew's first words were,
3: "I said, please tell me it's the later years." Mm-hmm. because i am we I've, I've i'm that familiar with the facts of life that i know you know season to season and i said please tell me it's the later years when they look fantastic uh, because yes. i am watching the shows i can tell you that the season you came on and i'm not trying to smooch your butt i am telling you <laughs> my honest opinion is that the the season you came on it was like suddenly they had a costuming designer Oh, on that show. And that's not to disparage whoever was working there yes. before, but we have talked a lot about the wardrobe choices in the first mm-hmm. couple seasons. Yeah. And you dressed them. It was, like I said, it was like a costuming designer was suddenly on the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's a very nice compliment, and I appreciate it. You'll see a lot of really bright 1980s colors yes. and shoulders. And mullets and I mean, yeah, I look at it now and I think, wow, how could I, you know, dress the actors in it? But uh, anyway, I did. I just brought my aesthetic um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I learned quickly as one must what each actress needed in terms of wardrobe, both for her character and for her figure. um, And then just took it from there.
3: That was a question that I had when you come into an established show, because I love the story about Larry Hagman telling you that, oh, by the way, I don't like Brown. Yes. Um, is that something that you get? Do you get like a like a list or a Bible of the show? And like, Lisa Welchel doesn't like pink, and Joe um, does, or Nancy. No, and- not,
1: not exactly. But I did go and meet with them individually um, before I started and said, tell me what, what you need to make you feel right in front of the camera. And uh, so I got little hints.
2: Um,
3: Were were there some interesting things that surprised you about like the girls and their needs or wants?
1: um, Well, Nancy at the time was in a really tomboy phase and would only wear flat shoes. Nothing we could do about it. Even for scenes where we thought she would be wearing heels. No luck. (laughs) Um, and she wanted to be comfortable. Um, Kim had a very strong fashion sense. uh, Oh yes. And Mm -hmm. from the very beginning and, um, Lisa, we needed always to show her waist because her body was such that, you know, you couldn't put loose long things on her with leggings. Um, oh. that it just wouldn't work on her. So we always showed her ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we had something like the, the first scene over there, over our heads, where they all had to wear sweatshirts, oh. it was a challenge to make them each happy. And I had actually forgotten, you know, what I did until I went and looked at the picture. And um, I know that Nancy is wearing a jacket. I think Lisa is wearing a little shirt underneath with a cute little collar, and uh-huh. you know, so each one kind of had their way to make it their own. But uh, that was that was a challenge.
0: Now there was also talk of there were seasons where Mindy Cone was quite svelte, and you hear in some of the. Uh, biographies that you see yeah. on television that there was some directive from something on high that, okay, well, if she's going to be that slender, at least dress her baggier. Was that I, ever a thing
1: you were involved in? I'd, never, I'd be very honest. I'd never heard that.
0: Okay. That could just be uh, salacious gossip fodder I, for I, all we know. I think
1: that's an urban myth, to be perfectly honest.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I love sorry. hearing that. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> I love hearing that because... Yeah that oh that bothered me so much <laughs> just <laughs> reading about that. yeah and
1: I always found Mindy really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had the dim- has the dimples and to this day you know her face is just so beautiful to me.
0: Yes no we we agree 100 percent we are we are still obsessed with all of all of the girls, the women Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. still <laughs> you say in the book Charlotte Ray was not easy to please.
2: Yes.
1: Are you
0: able to expound on that?
1: <laughs> um. Well, I will expound a little bit. Sure. Never my desire to be a tell-all book. No. So no. I sometimes say it's a tell-some book. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: That's great.
1: <laughs> Charlotte was very insecure about her looks, mm-hmm. and um, she was petite, and uh, by Age that I was dressing at her, somewhat rotund, mm-hmm. and the fittings were agony because she couldn't make a decision about if she thought this outfit was going to work if it mm-hmm. made her look good, and so it was agony for me because you'd have to sweet talk her and take in a little quarter inch and look at it from a different angle. And just when I think she was going to say, okay, this will work. She'd say,
2: Oh, I don't
1: know. Maybe not. Hmm. So, um, you know, that was difficult.
3: And that's not uncommon. Let's, I don't, I'll tell you, I've never been to a costuming fitting that I didn't leave in tears.
1: Uh, Um,
3: So to have somebody like you that is willing to help and to understand
1: Absolutely. And I mean, I think one of my strengths as a costume designer throughout my career is that I never want the actor to leave the fitting room until they are 100% happy. Mm -hmm. Um, No, I can't make a a size 14 look like a size six. But I want the actor to feel A, right for the role and B, as comfortable um, as possible so that when they get to the set... They're not twitching and itching and kind of unhappy with the way they look. By the time they finish the fitting, it should be yes, this will work for me. I feel good in this. And
3: That's you it. finally get comfortable with Charlotte Ray on a somewhat level. And then Cloris Leachman shows up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and you are not, uh, I don't think, speaking out of school. <laughs> if you if you say Cloris Leachman is known for being very, uh, let's say, eccentric.
1: Eccentric, strong, speaks her mind. Uh-huh. Uh, l- let her know what her, you know, lets you know what her opinion is in no uncertain terms. But it's why I also included in the book the story of her bursting into tears in the middle mm-hmm. of a fitting. Um, I you know, there's a vulnerable side and and Mm -hmm. she had been through a lot of tragedy and her son had committed suicide not that long before. Mm -hmm. And so with all of this bravado, um, there's a moment she's standing there, you know, literally in her underwear in a fitting room and dissolves into tears. Yeah. And, you know, that to me is the interesting thing about, a lot of stars is there is a public side and a personal side. Um, And, you know, there is a a bravado side and a needy side. And, you know, I get to see both sides.
0: Yes, we we can, uh, as all three (laughs) of us as actors, we can all vouch for that and and the uh, frequent, if not constant tension between the two.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Yes. Uh, Were there any uh, notable guest stars on the facts of life that you can think of? Cause they had some, they weren't known for a parade of big time celebrities, but I'm thinking of, there was an episode where Fabian and Bobby Rydell.
1: Yes. Yes. Were there. Was that there- was such a fun episode. We all had so much fun doing that. And at the end of the taping, everybody was like partying because we'd had so much fun. Ah. But the other thing is interesting is that we had a lot of, Uh, young actors um, who were unknown at the time Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um, and then became big stars. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had uh, uh, Mayim Bialik. We had Seth Green, Mm -hmm. (laughs) who actually wore a dress. He probably doesn't like to be reminded of that.
0: Oh, yeah, we Um, remember. Yes. Yeah. Um,
1: uh, Lawrence Haysbert, Mm -hmm. who, uh, you know, uh, Clarence Gilliard. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, just, I sometimes go through the cast list and I say, oh my God, I didn't realize I worked <laughs> with them.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. And you talked about how much fun you had with the, the Fabian, Bobby Rydell. That's the episode where they have a sort of dream flashback as though it was like a sixties beatnik boarding house.
2: Right. So yeah. the
0: girls were yeah. dressed as a girl group and right. had the beret Yeah. and, yeah. There were a few weird episodes like that. The one where they flash forward into almost a Golden Girls-like fantasy. What was it like to do those uh, episodes that called for really uh, left field type of costuming?
1: It was kind of fun. I mean, because it was something different. Clarence, of course, is such a consummate actress that she totally committed into being an old lady. Oh. um, and was so convincing that sometimes when I show pictures from that episode, people think it's pictures of her as an old actress. Yeah, I said, no, I mean she was a young <laughs> glamorous actress, yeah. um, at the time. Um, and the other girls, I mean, they had fun with it.
0: Hmm. So that was your first foray into yeah. episodic television. Yeah. And then you would go on to do other shows such as. Um, Santa Barbara, soap opera, daytime yeah. drama, Santa Barbara, yeah. and uh, Passions. Mm-hmm. And you talked about something I had never thought of. As actors, yeah we get, we get pigeonholed, but you were finding yourself being pigeonholed as a costumer.
1: Yeah. Um, certainly from sitcoms. Oh. Uh, because sitcoms were taped, um, three-camera tape versus film, There is a certain snobbism, let's be upfront with it, that, you know, sitcoms were lower on the uh, rank and um, films were very different. And I remember um, actually knowing a woman as a friend who was quite a successful uh, producer of what they then called Movies of the Week. And she said, oh, Diana, I could never get you approved for one of my movies. You've only done sitcoms. Wow. And of course, you know, <laughs> my little ambitious self went, hmm, just you wait, Henry Higgins. You know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> the work you did on Santa Barbara, you emphasize the designs of the wedding gowns. Yes. God, they are beautiful.
2: Thank you. Oh Thank my you. goodness. <laughs>
0: and with that and include before that you you <laughs> had gotten your feet wet because you designed the dress that Joe on the facts of life got married in
1: yes exactly yes
3: and i uh, did
1: i think that was one of the first design from scratch costumes that i did on the facts of life
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> do you bring now on on that like with nancy McKeon, did you bring her a couple of choices since you're designing it you're g- it's going to be built for her yeah. did you say which, what kind of wedding what kind of what was that conversation like um, for her?
1: I don't actually remember the specific conversation with her because uh, remember I was still very early on in my costume career, but I know that I had ideas and I had a sketch done and you know the, these things have to be approved up the sure. ladder because no. they're not just going to commit and then on the day of the taping, oh my god. Uh, So the sketch was approved and she approved it. And then, of course, you know, we chose fabric and she came for fittings. Cool. Um, So,
2: yeah.
0: Well, then moving on in your uh, career in daytime drama, you did Passions for... um, I'm sorry, you did Santa Barbara for a couple of years, right?
1: No, just one year. I would have done a second year, but it got canceled. I did the last year.
0: Uh Uh-huh. But then... passions yes. i had no idea i watched some of your videos on yeah. on your youtube channel oh, yeah. i when you say a daytime drama i'm thinking so it's women in marabou bathrobes and men wrapped in towels like yeah, yeah. I, it didn't occur to me they do full on they did yeah. full on full scale theatrical yeah. production numbers
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, which was wonderful for me because i got to design as though I was designing a a full film but we do a whole production number in a week but Mm. you know my workroom we had shoemakers and milliners and um embroiderers and and dyers and I mean it was so much fun and Mm. you know the first one we did which was a takeoff on Pirates of the Caribbean I mean I was building period gowns um and It was fabulous. And then we did Chicago. And of course, again, dancers.
0: Yep. (laughs) You were like, yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. And some of the dancers they hired were actually dancers who'd done the show. And of course, I could talk about my experiences. And they immediately accepted me as one of them. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And there
0: was also a Bollywood one, wasn't there?
1: Yes.
2: Bollywood.
0: Yeah.
1: Stunning work.
0: My goodness, it is just beautiful. And I'm sitting here going, is this what I've, you know, I was never really into uh, watching the daytime dramas, but I'm like, oh, is this what they ended up evolving into as we got into the nineties and the two thousands? That is crazy. Passions
1: Passions always went with all sorts of wild storylines. And about once a year we would do a really elaborate production. And Mm -hmm. it, it was fun for
2: all of us.
0: Great. Now, in uh, another interview of yours, I saw you talked about how you love the first time you get to hold and read the script and you go through it and you say you use the word devour. You say you love to devour the script and see what is coming. Have you ever been doing that and had a moment where you went, oh, crap, (laughs) I do not know how I'm going to do what is in my hand?
2: Oh, oh gosh! You
1: took me by surprise with that question. I am sure, probably, um, the the only area that I feel terribly inadequate in is sci-fi, and I've oh. never really had a situation where I've had to do a sci-fi creature. But that you know, oh crap moment would certainly have happened if <laughs> if I saw that um yeah no i can't ever remember having that reaction
0: i mean that's great that's a testament to your your (laughs) confidence or if not your confidence your can do i'll learn it as i figure it out
1: yeah mentality
0: that is prevalent throughout the entire book thank you
1: thank you (laughs) well you know you the fun thing is you do learn new things Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that after the Larry Hagman movie, we were supposed to do um, a second one, and it was going to be all about scuba diving. So, you know, in preparation, I went to the scuba diving stores and tried to understand the equipment. And oh. sadly, we didn't get to do it, because it would have been fun and filmed in the Bahamas.
3: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just picturing Larry Hagman in a scuba outfit right now. And I'm almost thankful that didn't happen for you.
1: Oh. Darling. Well, let me tell you another one. I actually had to do um, Rodney Dangerfield in a white fencing outfit. What? And that was quite an experience.
0: What was anyway. that for?
1: Uh, it was a pilot. He did, we did a TV. Oh. I did many... TV pilots along the way, and most of them, you know, fell by the wayside, but
3: that was (laughs) one. I was just gonna say, like, A League of Their Own, that TV show, how was that for you, as far as like, it seemed like everything was right about that, and.
1: Well, yeah, um, the, the film had been such a hit, and they said, well, let's just keep this going. So we had the same writers, producers, directors, and everything. The main reaction was on a half-hour comedy, there were too many characters. They exactly. couldn't get involved, um, sort of like the early days of Facts of Life where oh. they had too many girls. Um, and so the cost of doing a half-hour comedy um, and being out on location and having all these major stars, it, it just didn't pay off. Right, And right. they released it for some reason in the middle of summer. So I think they kind of weren't exactly behind it.
3: Hmm. Yeah. Interesting.
2: Yeah.
0: Hmm. yeah. And you also talk about how one of your um, jobs took you to a, a horse race. And you talk about how you never really considered what was. Unique about the way jockeys dressed and how yeah. you tried yeah. to hone in on that
1: well I mean to me that's one of the fun things about my career a career in costume design is you always have to learn something new um, you think you know it all well no, I never thought I knew it all, but every storyline is about a segment of people that you you probably have never you know been in touch with before, and I certainly uh, yeah. never you know, thought, what would a jockey wear, and why does he wear it, and why does it look the way it looks? Um, sure. So whatever the storyline is, is always research.
0: Mm-hmm. Including how to costume chimps and orangutans, I believe.
1: <laughs> yes, I've had quite a career costuming animals. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, of course, uh, we did have bubbles on, um, on the League of Their Own. And, and that, that was
0: Michael Jackson's Yes, Imp, yes, Bubbles, oh, wow.
1: Right, right. <laughs> and, uh, I have a picture of me holding bubbles in my arms. It's very cute. Um, okay. and, um, and then I, we had the uh, orangutan, uh, Bam Bam, on uh, passions, which mm. actually caused a lot of problems uh, for production because it was a very strong... Um, uh, PETA movement against us and against putting costumes on animals and you know um I don't really have a political position on it I just know that I had so much fun putting <laughs> costumes on him and he was the sweetest animal he would he would come up to the fitting room on the back of his trainer like piggyback style <laughs> and put him down on the table and he'd look at us with the big brown eyes and um, then he put his arms around us. I mean, she was just so sweet. We loved him.
3: Oh, but and, enough about George Clooney. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. <wait, what? laughs> well. I wish I
1: had more to say about George Clooney. And it's funny. I was watching Lisa Welchel on YouTube or Twitter or one of those, and, and she was saying the same thing. She said, "Well, who knew that this this kind of goofy kid was going to turn out to be." George Clooney, Mm
3: -hmm. you
1: know, he was delightful. He was fun. He was easy.
3: He was beautiful. Oh, yeah. George Clooney at 25. Come on. Let's be honest. Yeah,
0: I mean, so charming and it's apparent. And the network in this instance were smart. They saw something and they just had to keep working at finding the right thing for him to do.
1: And the other night I found myself uh, watching... The very first episode of ER, oh, and looking at George and thinking, "Damn, he's a good actor." Yes, he's gorgeous, but mm-hmm. what an actor! Yeah, and you know that that turned him into a mega star. That show. <laughs>
0: Well, before we let you go, we could probably go on for another several hours. <laughs> um, but Matthew and I thought we would maybe throw a couple of names at you and ask you if you have uh, an anecdote to share, or even if it's just one word comes to mind. But you've worked with so many celebrities, and we are just fascinated by this. So if you will indulge us, okay. uh, Betty White.
1: Wow. Betty White is just the most wonderful, special person in the world. Mm -hmm. I can't do one word. She's everything that you you think she would be. She's funny. She's kind. um, An amazing professional. And just one of the great people of our industry.
0: Mm -hmm. Reba McIntyre.
1: Oh, Reba. Um, Reba was interesting because I was a very young designer and she was a up-and-coming country and western uh, star. Um, yes, yeah, she won some awards and people knew her name if they were into country and music, but I had never heard of her.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So, you know, we went to lunch and we were both a little bit shy and we, we chatted. and, and um, But she was lovely. She was very... Down to earth, just a real person, a good person.
0: Mm-hmm. Diana Ross.
1: Diana Ross. <laughs> she is a diva, but not a bad diva. Everyone says, oh, that means, you know, she's full of herself and she treats people badly. Not at all. Not mm-hmm. at all. Um, I would never, ever treat it badly. Uh, she has high expectations. She wants the best from everyone. Um, so to me, she is a diva in the most glorious sense. And
3: nice. that, is, that is, again, a word that is used when it is a woman that knows what she wants and yeah. is in charge. It, oh, yeah. she's a diva. You never heard that about Rex Harrison, as no. difficult as he was. You know? Orson
0: yeah. Welles. Or... Right,
3: yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Can, um, can I throw out a name? Do yeah. it, please. Raquel Welch. You did Uh, not mention her in the book, but I was...
1: Yeah, yeah, well, I did costume her. Um, She was nice to me. Uh, She was doing yoga before anyone was doing yoga. She would do it every morning uh, before I really even knew what yoga was. Mm -hmm. Um, So, um, not an easy person,
3: though. Not... You are not saying anything that has not been right, it's not well right. known, yeah. No. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, and since, as you can obviously tell, we are musical theater uh, people, would you please tell your Ethel Merman anecdote?
3: <laughs> I read Ethel Merman's name, I got so excited. Uh, uh, well, it's the, it's
1: the two parts is the part that I got to see her mm-hmm. opening Gypsy in San Francisco right after she was informed that she wouldn't be doing the movie and boy when it came to rose's turn it was like she let it all out so that was i'm even getting goosebumps now just talking about it but the other story i think is the one you're referring to many years (laughs) later (laughs) when she's doing an award show and um you know, she's getting on in years and I'm sent into her dressing room to help her get dressed and she's there in her corset and her girdle and she says, ah, come on in, honey. I want you to take a handful of flesh and stick it down inside the the corset. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah.
0: (laughs) And uh, one thing I didn't want to miss before we let you go, to circle back to Diana Ross, Yeah. when people talk about the famous 1983 Central Park concert where the storm came in and there was this monsoon that hit. All of the iconic images are her alone on that stage in that form-fitting orange jumpsuit with her hair blowing in the breeze and behind her, her cape also blowing. And you are the person responsible for those iconic images.
1: I I feel that I really am because as I saw this wind, I just thought, there is a moment here to be had. And I ran and got the cape and it's just really a piece of orange chiffon. And, you know, got her attention. She finally came over as we were trying to get it on her. The wind was blowing that we couldn't find the second armhole. I thought, (laughs) she's going to just say, ah, forget it. But fortunately, she got it on. And looking at the tape, I can see the moment in her brain when it clicks. Oh, now I know. I'm going to work this cape. Yes. I do feel <laughs> like that iconic images thanks to me
0: (laughs) well show business and history thank you for that (laughs)
2: thank you
0: and um i honestly i am just so thrilled that we got this time to talk with you it has been indeed a really great honor
1: it's been great fun great fun
3: i just am so like honored to have spoken to you and thank you so much for making the time for our fives of listeners that, um, <laughs> and I'm going to, I'm going to just promote the hell out of your book for my theater friends. because thank
1: you. I appreciate it, really,
3: that. it is a really good book. And I, honest to God, finished it in 24 hours. I could not put it down. Oh, It is that's wonderful, it
0: is wonderful. That's stars that. in their underwear by three time Emmy nominated costume designer, Diana Eden, And it has just been a thrill and a pleasure to talk to you. So again, thank you so much. Thank you. And there you have it. Diana Eden. Come on. What a lovely, gracious lady. We thank her so much for giving us her time for the interview. Oh, uh, by the way, something that we forgot to even ask her about because she was on Broadway and in New York in the late 60s. She did appear in a couple of films that were made there at the time. A-, a movie called Valley of the Dolls. Yeah, she's one of the dancers on the sidelines watching Patty Duke sing. And then there's another film you may or may not have heard of. It's called The Producers. It was directed by this guy named Mel Brooks, and it had a song in it called Springtime for Hitler. Yeah, the Bierstein girl who descends the stairs... That was Diana. That was her. Anyway, of all the amazing things in her career you heard us talk about, I'm going to be posting a whole bunch of pictures and videos. So please have a look at the website for this episode. And I'll also post a link to Amazon where you can purchase her book. It is such a great memoir if you know anybody who is into the theater or hollywood or show business they will love this book so head on over to amazon for stars in their underwear now for the next episode we will be back to our regularly scheduled programming and we will be bringing you another episode with a special guest until then thank you so much for listening to this week's show and remember the facts of life are all about you Let's Face the Facts was produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Our website is facethefactspod.com. You have to drop the let's. And that's where you can find extra pictures, video, and audio extras from the digital cutting room floor. Follow the show on social media. We're everywhere under the handle FacetheFactsPod. You can become a patron of the show by going to patreon.com slash pod. And don't forget, go to your favorite podcatchers and subscribe, rate, and review. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts.